0: Welcome, welcome, curious souls, to the Macabre Emporium, your sanctuary for the unusual, the mysterious, and the appalling.
1: Step through our cryptic doorway into a world where secrets whisper and enigmas come to life. I'm David. And I'm Sarah. Together
0: we're your custodians of the macabre, guiding you through tales that defy the ordinary.
1: Discover the untold stories, from lesser-known cases of true crime to the bizarre events that captivate us.
0: Join us on a journey to the shadows where the mainstream fades and the extraordinary beckons.
1: So whether you seek the bizarre, the eerie, or the chillingly obscure, you're in for a treat here at Macabre Emporium. Welcome back to Macabre Emporium. This is episode 43. And if this is your first time joining us, welcome. Welcome. Welcome so what the fuck was that the, <laughs> the water puddle why are you why so scared i don't know so we went to spirit halloween finally this sh- october we did took long enough although here it takes spirit halloween for fucking ever well, to show
0: up because Indiana's a fucking christmas state unfortunately <sighs>
1: Like, back where I lived, that thing was open, like, the beginning of September. Here you have to wait until, like, the first week in October for it to show up. If you're lucky. Yeah. Crazy.
0: Yeah. But
1: anyways. I mean,
0: well, let's see. What do we always go for in a spirit? How Other go see the animatronics that we're never going to buy? Do
1: I like it? to look at the home decoration stuff. Right.
0: You mean home decor in general?
1: Well, for yeah. Us? <laughs> yeah, just normal decor. Uh, we usually wind up walking away with coffee mugs or at least I do but we have enough of those
0: (laughs) yeah eventually that whole cabinet's not going to be anything but
1: like creepy hoffy cugs yep creepy hoffy cugs we are (laughs) just fuck it (laughs) coffee mugs did you just say coffee hugs hoffy cugs I don't just uh, (laughs) leave me alone (laughs) alright say so but yeah, I know we've got mugs in there we can well, throw away. They didn't
0: have any new trick or treat ones that I didn't have already. Mm-mm. I wanted the bobblehead, but I wasn't paying that much for that fucking bobblehead. But
1: it was cast iron.
0: Was no, cast resin. Cast resin. I know it's expensive, but still, I'm sure I can find one just but as I good. Think it was cool as fuck. I'm sure. It has Lagosi Lug- says hello. Yeah. Now <laughs> eventually, hopefully. Your emotional support camel might make an appearance one of these days,
1: but for now, thanks to Spirit Halloween, I've got my new emotional support blanket. Mm-hmm. But what is on your emotional support blanket? Universal monsters, all of them, all of them monsters. I love it. It's so soft and fuzzy, and it's black and white. And look, go see you're so sticky. <sighs>
0: Well, now that Mr. Sticky Paws has finally got off the counter here. Yeah. So, what are we doing next week again? I so,
1: this coming weekend, we are going with one of my sisters, and I'm just going to call him brother in law because at this point he is. Right. Um, to see the 100th anniversary of the original Nosferatu. We're seeing it in theater. Well, not uh, in theaters, in but in a theater. In a theater. And there will be a pipe organist playing along with it
0: oh so the way it was intended to be shown
1: yeah the way it was intended to be seen so that will be
0: spookies while we're there
1: i've heard that that place is supposed to be haunted oh imagine that of course it is so i mean maybe we'll see Mm -hmm. but yeah that'll be fun and then hopefully monster pizza for Hell oh yeah
0: Forget about that place.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I'm excited for that. Right. Get to leave work a little bit early on Friday. That's always good. Get to hang out with you for a little longer on Friday. Always good. Yeah. Since your work schedule's been fucking bananas.
0: I'm sure it always will be for all eternity. (laughs) Great. But anyway.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I'm excited.
0: So maybe if we get some extra time, maybe stop at Bell Mansion because we'll be closer to, you know, as the theory of the veil being thinner. Oh. You never heard of that before? Yeah,
1: of course I have. Okay, Do they do the tours on the yes, weekend? Yes, they
0: do. Every Saturday in October, they do $25 flashlight tours. Start one at four and one at seven for $25 a person.
1: Wouldn't need to do the one at four because it'd still be daylight out. Right. Maybe the one at seven.
0: Yeah, because you never saw the third floor, like got a tour of the third floor even seen no. it so
1: and now that it's cooler i think it would be better easier up there
0: right we'll get the stupid ass indian summer on fucking friday you know of course well like oh here comes sir i'm gonna keep her from the third floor again we're gonna hit 90 on fucking friday so it's still hotter than fuck on saturday up there
1: <laughs> right yeah. yeah
0: you would have <laughs> not made it up there i have mean, i barely it, fucking made it up there
1: yeah it was pretty warm on the second floor like even just mm-hmm. yeah no thinking. and that
0: was early september so hopefully yeah it won't be but who knows maybe we'll go if we got time and of course you know we'll let you guys know what happens yeah so yeah. with all that said what do you have for this week of spooktober or whatever we want to call it
1: Ooh, spooktober i like it i have an urban legend okay i feel like this whole month i haven't done a true crime one yet have I, don't I
0: think you have, which is pretty scary in itself. That's,
1: yeah, I feel it's weird to me. It's terrifying. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Urban legend about the witch owl lady in Mexico. Okay. Yeah. That's all I'm giving you because I'm, I'm going right. to talk about it in a minute. Anyways, what do you got?
0: I have kind of going over tephophobia, the fear of being buried alive, and some of the practices that they would do to prevent that. Well, yeah. not to prevent it, to make sure somebody really was dead. And of course, this is one of those situations that Sarah's waiting to hear because of me laughing. Yep.
1: Yeah. And it was a laugh like when you did the fart guy story. Mm-hmm.
0: And the thing is, because of the. What
1: was his name? Lala Poufier.
0: <laughs> Joseph Pujol, Lepedo Main. Lepedo Main. Professional farter.
1: Lala I like that one better. But that's what it is, Lollapoofier.
0: There's some goofy-ass shit in here, which, you know, was serious medical science for its time. But you couldn't handle it. No, especially we're the one that's, like, right out the fucking gate.
1: All right. Well, let me get through mine so that we can get to that, because I'm looking forward to
0: that. All right, so you ready to get started? Show is. Oh, but before we get started, and <laughs> go see, like, Full of on off the counter again here, apparently... <laughs>
1: <laughs> he like jumped up and fucking tripped. What cat trips? Who are you? Oh my god. Yeah,
0: since when did you like make mistakes like that jumping around this place, guy? It
1: had to be the hour and a half that he spent sleeping in the water bottle fucking plastic.
0: Yeah. Making <sighs> him dumber than he already is from oxygen deprivation to his brain. Good God. But anyhow, as I was trying to say <laughs> I did order a sabaton shirt earlier this week. Oh, that's right. Because it was Attack of the Dead Men, so it's like people ask me about it. I can tell them about it and cross promo sabaton and podcast. Yay! Because so I can be like, so if you want to hear more about the Return of Dead Men, look up this po- really awesome podcast.
1: Really so, awesome podcast.
0: So I'm sure. Toot toot. Yeah, that's our, our own horn. If- and I'm not wondering if that would be considered guerrilla marketing, as Kevin likes to call it. Since I do all the unconventional
1: guerrilla marketing,
0: <laughs> unconventional uh, ways of doing things. Eh, mm, From maybe l- local chats and video games and yeah, comment sections on Facebook.
1: Yeah, those. Are, I mean, it's whatever.
0: No, kind outside the box. I guess
1: word of mouth is the best way to do it.
0: Yep, yeah. but anyhow.
1: Yeah. We're going to get started for real now. Uh-huh. All right, let's get going. Okay. Legend states that there was a bruja, or witch in English, that was executed by the scared townsfolk for practicing black magic. After her death, she was reincarnated into an owl, but she could shapeshift going between her, like, human witch form into an owl. But when she was an owl, she retained her human face with a twist. And I'll get to that later. It's said that she came back with a vengeance and sought revenge on everybody that had a hand in her execution. One of the offshoots of that main legend is that any witch can astrally project into any form they wish and retain their face. While they're projecting, their body is lying peacefully and safely in place at home. If Lachuza happens to be killed while in owl form, it's said that their human body will die too. Which, if you think about it, anybody that died at home in their sleep of, like, natural causes Mm -hmm. could be Lechuza. Because how are they going to know? Right. Just like, oh, they died in their sleep? Must have been a witch. Oh, they died in their sleep with a fucking witch. Right. Especially if you believed in that legend. Right. Anyways, it's also said that La Lechuza made a pact with Satan himself and he granted her supernatural powers, such as shape-shifting and superhuman strength. She had the ability to grab adults like full grown men with her claws or talons and fly off with them. Are we like talking
0: like a regular size L here or what? I'll
1: get to the characteristics soon. Okay. Soon. The witch can appear anytime she wishes to and anywhere. But due to reports, it seems they're mostly in Zavala County, Texas, which isn't too far east of Mexico. It's like. The only places that she she's ever been seen is Texas and Mexico. That's it. Nowhere else.
0: Well, that makes sense because Texas was part of Mexico at one point.
1: Reports also state that she likes to really mess with the people that have had like a few too many drinks. So it makes me wonder if they're like too drunk and they're just seeing shit or if they're just drunk enough that they're kind of blurry. Their vision's kind of blurry and they're like. I think I saw blah 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 blah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So who knows. Or it can be
0: a throwback to the you know, the ghost hoaxing that I did at some point. Uh, yeah. And someone's just going around in a giant fucking out costume fucking with drunk people. <laughs>
1: it could mean you never know. There's a furry out there with a vengeance. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, uh, well it's fucking possible, I guess. She's also also known to go after children who are outside after dark when they should be at home, in the safety of their home. Even today, people report seeing her or report experiencing what they believe to be Lala Even driving down the road, numerous people have stated a massive bird-like creature swooping down and flying off into the woods, most of them also noting that their car batteries die at the same time, which is another thing Lala is supposed to be able to do, which is drain batteries like that. Yeah, I don't Which know. is,
0: you know, a trait of paranormal or supernatural activity you can say
1: right many people believe in this creature's existence some claim to have actually seen her yet there's never been one photo taken of her to even try to prove her existence so we don't know what she looks like other than the the description that i'm about to get to but in my head i imagine like a giant gray big bird with a lady's face (laughs) that's all i see like scrawny little legs giant feet i don't know that's that's what i see also the reports that i keep talking about there are none actually reported like two authorities it's all just word of mouth so like all urban legends they're just right. trickled down from generation to generation you know and generation over time yeah although these have stayed fairly consistent between generations so
0: and yeah, just imagine from years from now it's going to be about mm-hmm. how like the, the owl witch is gonna be like thicker than shit and like has a bunch of fucking cake for a fat ass, basically or whatever. Because that's probably gonna happen at some point.
1: <laughs> that owl was thick. Three Qs. Holy shit, David! <laughs> like that does totally threw me off. Now I can't. You're welcome. <laughs> Big Bird's got a badonk right. Big Bird's got so much cake. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, shit. Through my research, I have gathered that when Lala Chusa transforms into the owl, it's a white owl, that she stands about five to six feet tall and has a face of a wise old woman. So even if she's a young witch, she still is a in owl form has a old woman's face don't know why she has the wingspread spread of close to 15 feet so that's a big fucking bird it's a big
0: right. bird hey, it's the american bald eagle's wingspan only like six or seven feet
1: yeah so very very large bird she's been compared to a harpy bird like you know you've seen those yeah okay she's also been compared to banshees and sirens the latter two use sounds to draw their prey in. Well, so does she. She also has the ability to control weather, which is why most of the time when she's spotted, it's during a thunderstorm. Oh, how convenient. But anyway. Because she can control the weather.
0: Which is odd. Nice, because you ever seen a bird fucking fly in severe weather?
1: I never have. Nope. Have not, sir. If you are unfortunate enough to encounter Lalachusa. You can say it almost always means certain death is ahead. Whether the death is your own or a loved one, it's going to happen. So her go-to maneuver for getting her prey is to perch herself up on a tree. Can you imagine a bird that big trying to perch up on a tree and, like, remain hidden?
0: <laughs> no. Because I think the Jersey Devil was the same way, and I believe there might have been a one-story mothman of the same... Like, in the same manner of, like, perched in a tree or something. Or maybe I'm just thinking of something completely different.
1: Like, that's a huge right. thing to just be, like, right, propped I mean, up in a tree. Again, You're going to see that.
0: <laughs> I mean, fucking bald eagles, for example.
1: Right, you'll see that. Like, you ever seen one up close? No.
0: Yeah, they're not as small as you fucking think they are.
1: No, you've shown me videos of them on a boat, though. Yeah. And they're, yeah, much bigger than I thought they were. But still, in person, I'm sure they're much, much yeah. bigger than that. But, yeah. Just, you're six feet. You're over six feet. Yeah. Your wingspan, not fifteen feet. Right. You'd have to almost put three of you, head to toe, to get. Yeah, I, that. I get that. How the fuck do you hide that in a tree? You don't. Okay, you just you just don't. You just got to be not looking at the trees, I guess. Right. Uh, yeah. Anyways, she perches in a tree and she starts whistling. But her whistle doesn't sound like you and I whistling. Her whistle sounds like... The one from American Horror Story. (laughs) Either way. No. If I still heard that, I'm not sticking around to fucking find out. No. It sounds like a newborn baby crying. Okay. So if you're... Any normal person would hear a newborn baby crying like... You know not far off from like a tree line what your first thought is going to be holy shit somebody had a baby and abandoned it in the trees right and you would go to find this baby to like save it that's how she got you but at that point when you got close to the tree line or wherever she would swoop down dig her talons into you and fly off to her lair with you and then make a meal out of you right if you had been targeted by her and you somehow managed to escape her, she would follow, follow you to your home and leave scratch marks on your door as a warning that you are indeed hers. And she's going to get you at some point.
0: Wouldn't it just be easier just to
1: go after someone else at that fucking point? Or is it because, oh, you fucking saw me? Probably. Probably more that. I, I, don't, I don't know. It's a fucking herbal legend. I know that. But that would be my guess is you saw me. Yeah. If you have a dream about Lala Chusa, it means that one of your family members is going to die. And soon. So don't dream about her. Just block that shit out.
0: Don't dream about her. Don't respond to babies crying in the fucking woods. Don't look up the fucking trees.
1: <laughs> Correct.
0: Get yourself some fucking horse blinders so you can just see what's on the fucking road in front of you. Some
1: horse blinders. Hell yeah. Like Hit that. up the know. Amish. She cannot be harmed by bullets. And in fact... If you happen to shoot her and she gets hit by a bullet, it kills you instead. So it's like you know, I'm rubber, you're glue. <laughs> She's rubber. Don't don't shoot. Don't shoot her. If you are ever touched by Lala Chooza, even if it's just a feather, you will die.
0: If you in her general direction, you're gonna die. <laughs>
1: There are it. there are ways that you can protect yourself.
0: Yeah, like I said, don't answer baby cries on the fucking woods. Don't look <laughs> in trees and don't fuck around and find out, I guess. I don't know.
1: <laughs> don't fuck around and find out. That is correct. Just don't. Don't be in Texas. Don't be in Mexico. Yeah, there you Simple go. Simple as that. Uh, She can be repelled with salt. So, you know, typical salt ring around the house. Yeah. She can be driven away by yelling loudly and cussing. So...
0: Well, you got that part covered. Fair enough. I'm sure there's a couple people out there that's <laughs> actually made you be like, yup.
1: <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. But if those things fail, you can try hanging a rope with seven knots outside of your door. I tried to find out what the seven knots represented. Found nothing. You can get a data, which is a good witch, to come and help you. But again, found nothing. It doesn't say what they're supposed to come and help you with. Nothing.
0: It's quite simple. Good versus evil.
1: Oh, you know what? I'm stupid, and you could be right. Hmm. I read that
0: throwing. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, then. I was just throwing that out there, but was I because I did. I
1: I didn't think of that. Good verse. I just legitimately didn't think of that. There I was read
0: one other episode. You were like that, and you
1: were like, "Fuck it, son of a bitch!" Are you serious? I don't remember what it was. Somebody might Uh, remember. I don't know. I read that throwing chili powder at her works too. I don't know. Maybe burns the old eye holes. I'm not sure. You can say Hail Mary backwards in Spanish and she'll fly off. Although I feel like that's probably not the right thing to do.
0: No, probably not.
1: But they say if you do any of these things that they have to be done in order. With the exception of number one. Number one, it always has to be done, regardless. And it wasn't listed above. So, if you're ever being attacked by Lala Chusa, number one, pray. Number two, hang the rope of seven knots outside your door. Three, get a curandera for help. But in this day and age, like, it'd be so easy to make her go away. Oh, yeah. All I got to do is yell at her, and she'll go away. Yeah. Like, that's it yell at her and she goes away do you know how many angry motherfuckers there are in this world
0: oh i know <laughs> I probably fucking starving to death at this fucking point <laughs> like They're like bitch i don't got enough time <clears throat> or patience or fucking energy to deal with your fucking ass right now right giant ass white and flappy bitch get the fuck out of here <laughs> you i gotta fucking work tomorrow do, keep do, me up
1: do you call her a white flappy bitch
0: no white flappy wing bitch or something i don't remember what it was but it
1: did not say that white flappy bitch no it was hilarious that's what i thought you said. i said flappy you know because right. wings yeah that's all i got
0: all right that was interesting i've kind of, i think i might have heard a ghost story based off of that
1: i know there's movies or a listener of
0: tale from another podcast that they used to listen to about that i remember some of the details about their dad hitting him like an owl, and he wouldn't slow down for anything. And then explained to him later on, later in life, of that's what it was. was like, yeah, you know, it wasn't a person, that, that wasn't a bird that I just hit. And he just kept on driving, basically.
1: He was big birds, satanic auntie. <laughs> You're welcome. Case closed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to hear about. The dead people and that are not quite dead.
0: Let's do this. Taphophobia is the fear of being buried alive, coming from the Greek word "taphos," meaning grave or tomb, and "phobos," meaning fear. Even with modern medicine, people still have a fear of being buried alive. Even with modern medicine, people still have a fear of being buried alive. Might seem a bit ridiculous to have now, but in our past, it was a much bigger fear people had than today. Fear of being buried alive could be said to have started either in the 17th or 18th century with medicine not as advanced as it is today you know like x-rays yeah EKGs stuff like that caused people to be buried alive because of a misdiagnosis yeah one of these well-documented cases of such a misdiagnosis happens in 1695. Marjorie McCall of Ireland would fall ill with a fever and be pronounced dead and to keep the rest of the village from becoming ill with her sickness was buried quickly instead of having a wake as families traditionally did after a loved one had passed. You know why they call it a wake. Awake? Yep.
1: Is this a joke?
0: No, this is actually a serious thing. Okay, the
1: go. look on your face. I was like, this is going to be a fucking Because it's dad so dad joke. fucking simple. Uh, no.
0: It basically was to watch over to body to make sure they weren't actually fucking dead and see if they would wake up.
1: Oh, but wakes usually aren't done with the body around anymore. right. Wakes are usually done like after the funeral and stuff.
0: Right, but that's what they originally were for.
1: Huh. Oh, I had no idea.
0: Soon after her burial, word got out about a gold ring she was buried with, and Grey robbers would soon be at her grave to retrieve this ring, even before the, the dirt of her grave could settle. After unearthing Marjorie McCall, they found her body to still be warm and taking their knife. He cut off her finger to get to the ring, Margie would soon suddenly sit upright, screaming like a banshee from the pain of her nearly-severed finger. What happened to the grave robbers is unsure. It is said one dropped dead from fright, along with that they both ran away in fear. Yeah, shit, I would. Her husband John would be at home with her children and relatives when a knock on the door would come in the middle of the night. John would say, if your mother was still alive, I'd swear that was her knock. Sure enough, as he opened the door, he would find his wife Marjorie still dressed in her funeral clothes and with a nearly severed finger. Since wedding vows are until death do us part, Marjorie would go on to remarry and have several more children until her actual death. On her headstone that you can still visit today has the inscription of lived once, buried twice.
1: Oh, that's fucked
0: and I do have another example of something very similar to this, but not really of an illness, in 17th century England, it was documented that a woman by the name of Alice Blunden was buried alive. As the story goes, she was knocked out after having invited a large quantity of poppy tea that a doctor holding a mirror to her nose and mouth pronounced her dead. This tea was made from dried, unwashed seeds pods, which could have been canned which would have been contaminated with morphine, codeine, and witcher sedatives. Her family quickly made arrangements for her burial, but two days later, she was laid in the ground, children playing near her gravesite and heard noises. Their schoolmaster went to check the gravesite for himself. He found the blundered was still alive, but it took another day to exhume her. She was so close to death that she returned to her grave, where a guard stood by before deserting his post. The next morning, she was found dead, but only after struggling to free herself once more. Damn. Now, they believe that the first one is more lore than anything else, but Irish historians actually do find it to be true because of how many accounts of this tale have been told, and they are mm-hmm. very similar in the tellings, just different variations, like one telling us her husband dropped dead, opening the door, and then, you know, even though it's not physically possible, his hair turning start quite immediately from yeah. seeing his dead wife, you
1: know. I mean, that would be... Pretty fucking shocking.
0: Yeah. Even though these two tales are said to be true, in 1745, English English physician Richard Mead recommended using tobacco smoke enemas to revive drowning victims. It was believed that the stimulants and the warming effect from the smoke could revive those who have drowned. That following year, his name would be attached to one of the most well-documented cases of this type of resuscitation. On the advice of a passing sailor, he and the sailor would save the life of a drowning woman by sticking the stem of his pipe up her rectum, covering the bowl section where the tobacco sits with perforated paper, and then blowing hard through the bowl, which would revive her. Even though over in France, surgeon Antoine-Louis, which also invented the guillotine, which is odd for a doctor to invent such a thing, would propose, you know, (laughs) using tobacco smoke up the rears of the deceased to awaken them years later in France. By 1774 tobacco smoke enema kits were installed along the river Thames by the institution for affording immediate relief to persons apparently dead from drowning. That is actually that institution's full fucking name.
1: Tobacco smoke enemas. Mm -hmm. This has to be what you were laughing at.
0: Yes, it was, (laughs) but also with these kits, they also did um, come up with a rhyme for people to use these tobacco smoke enemas to, revive people that have been that have drowned.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Tobacco glycer, breathe and bleed. Keep warm and rub till you succeed. And spare no pains for what you do may one day be repaid to you.
1: <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. So wait. You're drowned, right? Mm-hmm. How the fuck does tobacco smoke in your asshole <laughs> revive you? That I cannot find an answer. Like
0: <laughs> look on sarah's face right now
1: i'm like uh, fucking stupefied yeah you're drowned <laughs> how how it could be just a case of
0: dumb luck with them blowing the smoke up her ass basically also
1: how the fuck did they find this out who was the first unlucky bastard to well, be like we're gonna stick this pipe up your ass and blow smoke
0: Well, since tobacco wasn't, you know, native to to Europe and everything, they, you know, in the new world, when Christopher Columbus, you know, invaded basically America. I'm not changing what I'm fucking saying, because that's basically what really fucking happened. But anyhow, that's when, you know, they would learn from the indigenous people that how they use tobacco as a healing process for like stomach pains and various other things. So I guess trial and error is like, oh,
1: what happens if we stick this up the butt, you know? I don't know, but I have never once in my entire life put anything in my ass to be like, hey, let's see what happens. <laughs> right. Just it never once crossed my mind. Well,
0: you know, thankfully we live now <laughs> in the times that we do and not then. where it's like, oh, hey, God. we're going to try this new procedure, OK? And then just, whoop, just tube up your butt and smoke being blown out your ass. <laughs> now, just think of what kind got involved in all this shit.
1: Oh, my God. He'd be blowing smoke rings and everything.
0: I mean he did for his act anyhow. Did he? Oh yeah. Remember he smoked a cigarette with his butt first person. Oh shit,
1: yeah, that's right.
0: But I'm talking about being on the helping end with using his ability to bullse you know. It's just now a weird image in my fucking head. And bent over hands on knees. Tube to tube. Yep. Some weird ass fucking human centipede thing almost going on with the tube instead of an extra person in the middle. Cat
1: dog. this has gone way the fuck off course. Let's get back on.
0: (laughs) All right. So by the 1780s, Jules Antoine, no relation to Louis, to Louis Uh that I can find. He was a French clergyman when to go on to invent P.S. Mamelon or nipple pincher. P.S. Mamelon was a strong pair of pliers designed to shock the alleged dead back to life by clamping down on their nipples with these pliers after he had learned after hearing the methods of yanking and pulling on the tongue the dead to see if they would awaken by stimulating the tongue up to three hours
1: three hours yeah that's torture
0: well if they're actually fucking dead they're not gonna know any better
1: oh that's true
0: uh, some of the other things that they did do with the tongue was to pour urine in the mouth um strong alcohols anything that could cause a shock to the tongue to see if they would wake him up yeah the first recorded version of the safety coffin was constructed on the orders of duke ferdinand of brunswick before his death in 1792 he had a window installed to allow light in, an air tube to provide a supply of fresh air, and instead of having the lid nailed down, he would have a lock fitted. In a special pocket of a shroud, he had two keys, one for the coffin lid and second for the tomb door. And then by 1822, a doctor by the name of Adolf Gustman would actually be buried alive several times to demonstrate the safety of a safety coffin of his own design because people were skeptical of it. Mm-hmm. And to prove that his coffin was actually safe for living people to inhabit, I guess you could say, because, you know, you're buried alive and you wake up. So for his demonstration, he ate several meals over several hours and from being fed to him through this tube while well, he's still buried alive in this gr- in there to prove that it's actually still safe for somebody to be in there. So he would eat meals of soup, bratwurst, marzipan, sauerkraut, spatzel, beer, and for dessert, I could not say it. I tried pronouncing the name, but it was basically cake Okay, is what it came out to be. I swear, because if I'm going to mispronounce that word, I fucking like Cthulhu would have a computer in her fucking house or <laughs> some shit. But even before protocols were created in 1898, a hundred years before one of these methods was used to really make sure someone was actually dead and not in some trance-like state, they would lay out the corpse on a slab or inside of a wooden box with a glass pane placed over the body. And on the pane of glass, they would write in silver nitrate a message that would be invisible until the hydrogen sulfide gas produced from drain decomposition would react to the silver nitrate, revealing the hidden message, I am dead.
1: Oh, uh, I mean, <laughs> smart. But if they're already decaying, you're probably going to see that before. Right. You
0: know? And that was one of the other things that did come up was... How mortuaries were actually basically a health facility to watch decomposition to make sure people were dead. Like they had nurses on staff to observe people's bodies fucking decomposing.
1: That's crazy.
0: And they were actually deliver fa- flowers delivered there to help keep the smell down. So that's probably where flowers became synonymous with funerals.
1: It probably took a lot of flowers.
0: Oh, I'm sure. One of these days, though, I'm gonna have to do an, a full episode on origins of traditional funeral things like the flowers and you know the candles all the whole
1: yeah that'd be
0: cool or whatever you want to call it yeah during the 1820s in germany they used portable death chambers which were to be used to prevent premature burials a small chamber equipped with a bell for signaling and a window for viewing the body was constructed over an empty grave watchmen would check each day for signs of life or decomposition in each of the chambers If the bell was rung by the body, so the watchman could immediately remove what was thought was dead, is now actually alive. But if the watchman observed signs of putrefaction in the corpse, the door on the floor of the chamber would be opened and the body would drop down into the grave. The panel then could be slid in to cover the grave. The chamber would be removed and reused again. Huh. In 1829, Dr. Johann Gottfried Herberger designed a system using a bell that would alert the cemetery night watchmen. The corpse would have strings attached to his hands, his head, and his feet. A housing around the bell above ground would prevent it from ringing accidentally or somebody, you know, coming around hitting it or some shit. And an improvement over previous designs, the housing prevented rainwater from running down the tube and netting netting prevented insects from entering the coffin. So, like, there's still the breathing tube Mm -hmm. and the bell and all the stuff in this little box over top, basically. If the bell rang, the watchman had to insert a second tube and pump air into the coffin with bellows to allow the occupant to survive until the casket could be dug up. The only problem with this is that the body would actually start to bloat from all the gases building up inside the body and could still ring the bell no matter (laughs) what. Right. So just imagine you're, you know, this night watchman, you hear this bell ringing, go over there, to go save the day, and surprise, it's just a bloated corpse inside.
1: I mean, you'd know pretty quick if you're blowing air down there that it would come out that other tube. You'd smell it. Right. You know? So you'd know, like, yeah, we're not going to dig that one back up.
0: (laughs) But the fear of being buried alive peaked in the late 19th century in 1896. The British Medical Journal published protocols to doctors to prevent premature burial. It's a small list of protocols suggested to doctors following when making their house calls to make sure someone is actually dead. So the first thing is... Now, this was in their wording, so T, you know, because most men were doctors in these times, so I wrote it out the way as it was written in this list. Okay. He has made one or more incisions in the arteries of the deceased and that no blood has flowed therefrom. So basically, cut all the major arteries and see if blood starts flowing out or starts pumping out.
1: Which will happen even after you're dead.
0: True. But if somebody (laughs) is fucking not dead, you're going to start screaming in fucking pain. Right. You would think... Go back to the first two stories, you right. know, we have one lady who's, like, heart was basically slowed down to a point where they thought she was fucking dead. Number two, that he has held the hand of the deceased and the fingers thereof entirely open and the fingers closed together not more than five inches from the flame of a lighting candle, gas lamp, or an electric jet, and that no transparent appearance has been visible.
1: Okay, but what if they're, like, paralyzed from the neck down? I don't know clearly they're not gonna move they're not gonna feel anything
0: well i think this is more or less to see like about rigor mortis maybe i don't know but paralyzation like that probably people didn't live very long Mm, at that point but who knows number three that he has held a mirror glass or a crystal before the lips and nostril of the deceased at a distance their form or of not more than half an inch, and that no moisture or signs of moisture have appeared on the said mirror, glass, or crystal. Number four, he has twice or oftener, their warning. Oftener? Yep, that was, they kept getting fucking flagged. I'm like, no, I'm reading it the way it was fucking <laughs> written. Like, this was actually fucking printed that way oftener. Ugh. Applied to the skin of the deceased a piece of iron or steel heated red hot for at least the space of 10 seconds, and that no blister charged with water that the iron or steel was placed so basically they're saying burn the body with a piece of fucking metal to see if they respond to it
1: Jesus.
0: and number 5 that he has examined the eyes of the deceased and has found mu- mucus co- and no mucus covering them Ick. so but in the American side of things the writings of Edgar Allan Poe would actually sensationalize being buried alive with the short stories The Black Cat, The Cask of Montilnado and The Fall of House of Usher and The Premature Burial
1: which I'm super excited about. That just dropped on Netflix yesterday. <laughs> the fall of the House of Usher. Yeah. I keep
0: seeing things about it, but I no attention to it. Yeah. So, didn't know that was based off that?
1: Yes, sir! Oh,
0: I'm assuming it is by the name. Yeah. Okay, but anyhow. Yeah. One English woman named Hannah Beswick was so scared of being married alive that she left her entire estate to her doctor, Charles White. Her only stipulation was that he had to check on her corpse every day until he was absolutely sure she was dead. He would end up keeping her mummified remains and every day for years, he and two witnesses would still check to make sure she was still dead. With so many people having a fear of being buried alive, many inventors would come up with various ways to signal to the living that the interred aren't really dead, which we covered some of those already. Franz Vester of Newark, New Jersey, invented the safety coffin in 1868. In his design, the coffin mate came with a ladder for those who were buried alive could climb up out of the grave through a hatch above ground. If they were too weak to climb up said ladder, they could ring a bell to bring the attention to those around or the night watchman. John Kirchbond would go on to create a device that would indicate people were alive but not allow them to escape on their own. His invention would have a T-shaped handle pipe near or in the hands of the buried. This pipe not only allowed fresh air into the coffin, but this pipe would atta- be attached to a rotating scale as it was described on ground level. The scale was used to measure any movement from those inside that might be buried. In his pen, he did include, after a sufficient amount of time has passed, the device can be removed. I don't know how much is a sufficient amount of time to make sure, oh yeah, they're dead. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. These are just two examples of safety coffins, plus the other ones that I did because a lot of them were just the same thing, just different bells or whatnot. But some of the other variations that did vary that still were included into, you know, ventilation tubes and such. One was having a mechanical fan for fresh air be forced in instead of it just being a straight tube.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Like I said, various bells and alarm types of all sorts. And a small warmer similar to like a wax burner to burn disinfectants to clean the air for the buried as it came into the coffin, which probably would have killed them breathing that shit in. Probably. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Yeah some of the things that did come up as well for extra precautions to make sure that people were dead was to put like a small vial of chloroform inside to off gas inside to make sure they were dead and using you know euthanasia techniques to do the same thing as well as of those that were already dead you know
1: double killing them
0: yeah going in for the <laughs> double kill
1: damn they were ruthless back then
0: yeah well you know that's what a lot of the weird shit that they did and cutting arteries, decapitations were one thing, too. Yep.
1: Decapitations? Yep. They cut your fucking head off to make sure you were dead? Uh,
0: yep. <laughs> I'm getting the shocks a little bleak for those.
1: God!
0: For everybody, because, you know, you can't see us. Modern practices of embalming started to put an end to the fear of being buried alive. And also stopped body snatching, too, from happening. Yeah. But there is one photo that did come up quite a bit from Popular Mechanics magazine, and I couldn't find sh- a whole lot of information on this. From Popular Mechanics? Yeah, they cover all sorts of shit. Do they? Oh, well, okay. At least they used to. Okay. But it was like a lineup of four to five volts, maybe six. With these velvet-lined vaults with handles on the inside of the door so those that were inside could open them if they were buried alive. Huh. But there is one grave worth mentioning of somebody that suffered from fear of being buried alive, and that's of Timothy Clark Smith of Vermont. Timothy Clark Smith was a doctor in the 19th century who had a fear of being buried alive and designed his own tomb to have a set of stairs under a capstone to escape if he was to be, if he was able to find himself still alive in his grave. Along with that, a 14-inch by 14-inch window over his coffin so people could look down and check on him and see if he was alive or still dead. But today, you can still go down, you can still visit Vermont and see his grave, but you can only see down... A couple of inches due to moisture collecting yeah. on the glass and the age of the glass on the window. So it's like fogged over, basically. Yeah. Even though some people have claimed they have seen a hammer and chisel laying nearby and a bell in his hand to alert anyone nearby that he was still alive as well, too. Huh. Even as late as 2015, a patent for a safety coffin has been filed, but I wasn't risking the link that came up with it since Google flagged it to be an unsafe Yeah, link. I wouldn't have either. Even though it was like two I looked up what the website was. It was for like looking up US patents and whatnot, but it wasn't like an official link, so I wasn't taking the risk. Yeah. So my best guess is it's just the same design with modern technology. So like probably like a siren, flashing lights. Probably. Some kind of cellular telephone or some sort to be able to call out or Yeah. Call out that, you know, hey, I've been buried alive, somebody come get me out of here. But, before we finish this, some notable people that were afraid of being buried alive. Okay. So something kind of along the lines of fun facts, even though we haven't done it fucking forever. So it's true. First president of the United States, George Washington. He told his secretary, I am just going, have me decently buried and do not let my body be put into the vault in less than three days after I am dead. Even though that was like standard funeral practices for the time. Mm -hmm. Hans Christian Andersen. In his final days, would beg his friend Dorothea Mitchelor to cut his veins after he breathed his last breath. Okay. So yeah, going in for the ultimate kill, I guess you could say.
1: I guess, shit.
0: Composer from Poland, Frederick Chopin, in his last written message, The earth is suffocating. Swear to make them cut me open so I won't be buried alive. Eef. Alfred Nobel, the inventor of dynamite, and you know, just a small award that's named after him. You know, nothing too major. Yeah in his will he wrote it is my express wish that following my death my veins shall be opened. and when this has been done and competent doctors have confirmed clear signs of death my remains shall be cremated in a so-called crematorium so it doesn't matter what walk of life you're from you can have this fear i tried to look to see uh, how much of a percentage of the population of the united states today has this fear i couldn't find it unfortunately
1: It's probably not as big of a fear now.
0: Right. You know, there's like small spaces. You know, claustrophobia is a big one. So maybe they go hand in hand. I don't know. Yeah. So that's a little bit on trephophobia and ways they check you out to see if you are still alive or actually dead.
1: I don't know. And some ways to prevent it. I feel like if you think I'm dead and I'm showing you I'm dead... Please don't cut my ass open. Don't fucking behead me. Right. Just fucking let me be. Well, I
0: don't think... Yeah, well, obviously with advances in technology and science, that's no longer the case anymore. You well, know? I don't know. And the weird thing is a lot of this shit happened in the you know the era of when the stethoscope was fucking invented.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> I, I say I don't know because there was that story out of Detroit a few years ago with the girl that had um, some type of intellectual... Or developmental disability. I don't remember mm-hmm. which one it was. But an ambulance came. They pronounced her dead. She was laying on a slab in a fucking drawer. Right. And they pulled her out and found her breathing. Yeah. So, no. Professionals don't always get that shit right. Right. So, I
0: understand that. But I'm just saying, even within the, te- you know, the, when the stethoscope was invented, that they were still doing these wacky ass shit, not checking yeah. for,
1: you know, heartbeat.
0: Right. Right. I'm not wondering if that's not what happened. They didn't check vital signs and just... I don't know. ...shitty fucking paramedics or whatever. They're just like, yep, she's fucking dead. I don't know.
1: <clears throat> but yeah.
0: Because any time that we were in a, on a run to where it was, I mean... Clearly, yes, they're fucking dead or whatever. But still, I mean, if it was quite obvious with decomposition. But if they were, even with protocols, they would still check with EKG, heart monitors and whatnot. Unless it was blatantly obvious that they were, yeah. Because there's been a few times when working station we would go call, we called just you know basically to go check
1: that. Anyways, that was interesting. Yeah. People back then were like just terrified of everything.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, with the the story of the Irish woman, you yeah, I think the common cold now was basically a fucking plague to them.
1: Well, that's true. Unless you're a man, then it's definitely the plague now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs>
1: It took you a minute
0: no i was trying to come up with some shot back but i couldn't come up with anything uh, so i think it's in time we can close the emporium up for today's so room what do you think i agree so until next time remember to creep it real
1: all right bye bye please check out our website at macabre emporium join our facebook group by searching macabre emporium like and subscribe on YouTube at Macabre Emporium Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Macabre Emporium. And if you have any stories of the paranormal, your local true crime, or weird history that you would want us to look into and possibly do an episode on, email us at Macabre at gmail.com. Remember to follow, rate, like, review, and share whenever and wherever you can and help us grow our little baby podcast.